0: Hello, and welcome to a podcast that I am calling Education in the 21st Century. My name is Emily Forte, and I will be presenting a recap and retelling of the information from Module 1. To begin, I will be going over the Brandt and Belanca text entitled 21st Century Learning, I will start with the foreword, which is entitled 21st Century Skills, why they matter, what they are, and how we get there. This chapter was presented by Ken Kay, who is the president for the Partnership for 21st Century Skills. So to begin with these questions, I'm going to backtrack to the second question. What they are. Figure F1 on page 15 of the foreword, I think offers a very helpful graphic And this graphic looks like a rainbow. And it kind of summarizes what encompasses 21st century learning. And these would be life and career skills, learning and innovation skills, information, media, and technology skills. And these skills overarch core subjects and 21st century themes. So, And these core subjects are things that are typically a part of school, which are geography, history, science, math, English language arts, learn world languages, arts, and then we have technology skills such as information literacy, media literacy, and digital technologies. Since technology is becoming such a driving force of our world, this is becoming a very present part of today's schools. So then we can think of why do these skills matter? And in short, the world is changing. U.S. schools are changing and have been changing for decades and decades. However, many still believe that we are not 100% there. Even to think of the social issues that have gone on over the last few months, things are being talked about more, technology is becoming more advanced, and so our, edu- our schools have to keep up with this change. In pages 17 of 18 of the Branton and text, summarize it like this. The new social contract is different. Only people who have the knowledge and skills to negotiate constant change and reinvent themselves for new situations will succeed. Competency in 21st century skills gives people the ability to keep learning and adjusting to change. 21st century skills are the ticket to moving up the economic ladder. And to continue, today, a different set of skills, 21st century skills, increasingly powers the wealth of nations. Skills that support innovation, including creativity, critical thinking, and problem solving are in great demand. So to think about that, we can think that to become contributing members of society, we have to adapt with this change and we have to educate students in a way that will prepare them for this world that they are growing up into and going to be actively a part of. And then to answer that third question, how do we get there? Reform, policy changes, professional development so that teachers can stay up to date with that information, novice and veteran teachers alike. This book entirely exemplifies the need for change, and this book is made up of various contributors who have their own ideas and outlooks and ideologies of how we can get there. My journey with this textbook began with the first three chapters. Chapter one is from Howard Gardner, and it talks about his theory of the five minds. Chapter two is an interview between Linda Darling-Hammond and James Balanca, one of the authors of this textbook. And chapter three is from Chris Deed, and he goes into detail about various frameworks of 21st century learning that have been proposed over the years. Chapter two stuck out to me the most out of all of these chapters. Again, it is an interview between Linda Darling-Hammond and James Belanca. Darling-Hammond is a professor over at Stanford University. On page 33 of chapter two, it begins with a quote from Darling-Hammond that was said back in 2007. She states, we need a national policy that enables schools to meet the intellectual demands of the 21st century. When I read this, I immediately resorted back to the information that was in the first chapter. During her interview, Darling Hammond speaks of pendulum swings. And these pendulum swings are the constant back and forth of policies that are being enacted in and out of schools. And these policies surround what students need to learn and how they learn best. It doesn't seem that the United States can get into an agreement of how this should look in our nation's schools. So Linda Darling-Hammond argues how destructive this is to our nation's education, and how the United States is so far behind the education of other countries. And the United States must look at what other countries are doing and try to enact some of the same ideas into our educational system, and only then we can make strides. I believe her claims are justified. In my short time as an educator, I have seen many policies been be put in and out of place. And for veteran teachers, I could understand how this is confusing and very inconsistent. Even in my time as an education student, there have been so many shifts of the requirements to be a teacher, the testing, and the qualifications I need to hold a teaching license that for myself, I have even been very confused and tired of the back and forth. In Chris Deed's chapter, he talks about various frameworks of 21st century learning. The one I found the most realistic was on page 58, And it was proposed back in 2003. This framework suggests that 21st learning should be made up of digital age literacy, inventive thinking, effective communication, and high productivity skills. I think these are the most meaningful and authentic in today's workforce. And if you want to prepare students for the 21st century, you need to make sure that they have the skills that are required for the workforce of the 21st century. To get there, we need to enact, enact uniform national policies. We need to change state standards, and we need to put in a national regulation of how education should look in schools, and I feel only then we can make strides. Switching gears away from the Brandt and Blanca text, I began to dive into the CAST website and the Universal Design for Learning. Universal Design for Learning is a set of guidelines that can be applied to any discipline or domain to ensure that learners can participate in meaningful, challenging learning opportunities. The Universal Design for Learning framework is composed of three facets that provide multiple means of engagement, representation, and action and expression. The goal is for students to represent their learning and their thinking in a way that makes the most sense to them. Immediately when I started reading about this, Howard Gardner popped back into my mind. I felt that his theory of multiple intelligences was made for this type of framework. The CAST website offers a good analogy of how in a a building there are many ways of movement that are constructed for various types of people. For example, there's escalators, there's stairs, there's elevators. With that same idea, there needs to be multiple avenues in education. And that is what the Universal Design for Learning is striving for. Surprisingly, the universal design, design for learning has been being built and modified since the early 90s, which is surprising to me because I feel that it is not exactly entirely welcomed in schools yet. Sir Robert Kensington's TED talk also kind of went in line with the universal design for learning idea. His TED Talk was about making the shift from standardization in schools to personalized learning so that kids can explore their natural talents. I previously said that I am a very visual learner and I feel that I have not always been given the opportunity based off of a teacher's requirements to express this. Therefore, the Universal Design for Learning is working to change this and make sure that students can engage with material and represent their thinking and put their learning into action in ways that makes most the most sense to them. Following my exploration of 21st century learning and the universal design for learning, I dove into the curriculum studies reader. The first six chapters are different perspectives and thoughts, ideas, and theories from educational theorists that have influenced our modern-day education. These theorists are Franklin Bobbitt, Maria Montessori, John Dewey, Jane Adams, and George Counts. The reading that I did on each of the theorists reminded me of a book that I interacted with during my early days as an associate degree-seeking student called Curriculum Theory, Conflicting Visions and Enduring Concerns by Michael Shiro. That book was one of my first interactions with educational theorists, and since then I have done a lot of work and research with them through my time as an educator. John Dewey specifically has always been someone who has resonated with me. His ideas on progressive learning and hands-on learning and being realistic in in his approach to education has always been a main component of my philosophy on education. And also Maria Montessori's ideas of how children should learn naturally and organically have always been very rooted in my educational practices. I am fortunate enough to work at a private school where we don't focus on a specific theory we live in the gray, meaning we get to pick and choose components of various theories and combine them to create this wonderful, natural way of teaching that makes the most sense to us, whilst still being, being grounded in developmentally appropriate practice with our students. Maria Montessori's thoughts and ideas made me think of fixed versus growth mindset, which is an idea by Carol Dweck. And growth mindset is believing that, is having students believe, so to speak, that their abilities and intelligence can be developed with effort, learning, and persistence, rather than having that really fixed mindset that you can't go much beyond basic abilities, intelligence, and talents, and thinking those are fixed where rather there's so much room to grow. And I think that really resonates with this whole idea of universal design for learning and Howard Gardner's theories and 21st century learning and the idea and work of the educational theorists. It is amazing to think that these theorists existed in the early to late 1800s and early 1900s, and their thoughts and ideas and arguments are still so applicable to today's education and it makes the most sense that we are still learning and growing from their ideas. I will close with a quote from Sir Robert Kensington from his TED talk that I was thought was so beautiful. It was the last line of his video and he said, every day everywhere Our children spread their dreams beneath our feet. So tread softly. I thought that was so moving and beautiful. And it is so true. Our children need to learn naturally and organically and learn in the best way that makes the most sense to them. And through pushing for a national uniformity of education, that makes learning authentic, engaging, and meaningful will be the best way to educate our students. And this is what I picked up from the readings in module one. Thank you so much for listening to me today.